check out our friends at Linguistity Gifts. Linguistity Gifts is a metaphysical store offering natural gemstone bead bracelets, signature and zodiac, designed and made in the United States, as well as raw and polished stones, crystal balls, pendulums, tarot cards, natural crystal points, wands, and so much more. Their beautiful signature design bracelets can aid with creativity, balance, focus, and well-being. They can even customize the bracelets for you. Just send them an email to find out pricing and availability. Visit their website using the link in the description or visit linguistitygifts.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your first order over $20. And right now they are offering $5 off the purchase of two or more bracelets. Linguistitygifts.com Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew, and I'd like to welcome back to the show our friend, Mr. Peter Kling. How are you tonight, Peter? Fantastic, Chris. Thank you for having me back on your show. Oh, and thank you so much for coming on. We have so much going on in our little world right now. Um, and first thing I'd like to start talking about is all the earth changes that are occurring right now. Um, all time high volcanic activity. We have cracks and fissures forming uh, on different areas of the world, all over the world. Uh, weather anomalies like you've never seen before, hailstorms, flooding. What do you think is happening here? Well, it's, what's happening is obvious. We're going through an extinction-level event. People are saying, what? Well, how many critters have washed up on the shores of the, around the world over the past uh, 10 years? How many species uh, a year are we actually losing? You yes. know, it, it used to be save the whales. Now it's going to come down to save the humans. This year alone, I've seen so many fish kills and just sea life in general. Yeah, and, and in places that you've never seen it before now, some of you can say, oh, well, you know, uh, they got caught inside of a bay or, or, or they, got, if they were affected by the red tide and sucked all the oxygen. You can make whatever excuse that you want. But the fact of the matter is, most of what we are seeing, yes, are man-made, uh, but not by creating greenhouse gases. You know, you want something to grow lush and, and be really vegetative. Uh, what do you do? Yes, ask any horticulture, uh, horticultural uh, cultures this question. What do you do? Get a carbon generator. Create more carbon so the plants are happier. So wait a minute. So if we create more carbon, the, the plants will be happier? Yes, and they should grow better. So then what's wrong with, what's wrong with having greenhouse gases go up? Well, maybe it's not really greenhouse gases that are going up. Maybe we're being affected in a different way. Right. You know, I don't know what greenhouse gases going up has to do with the fact that I remember distinctly standing outside. This was several years ago, uh, at least five years ago. And this was like early April. And for as, nor as far north as I was, I was standing there. And it was toward the afternoon. It was, it was probably about 2 o'clock, maybe 3 o'clock. So the sun was on its way down, but still very, very strong. 
and I could feel it biting on my skin through my shirt. Yes. Wait a minute. Why is the sun biting me? <laughs> you know, why is the sun delivering uh, something that I've never, I've not noticed before? You know, you go out on the beach, you, you know, you go down to the, the, the tropics or, or down in the islands of Florida somewhere, you know, we, you're, you've got strong sunshine and you make sure you got plenty of sunscreen on you and whatnot, you know, and you lay there. Well, unless you, when you put the sunscreen on, you kind of just feel the heat. But if you're standing there without the sunscreen, you feel the burn. And it doesn't take long to feel the burn. But I'm talking about being in the northern latitudes. Why am I feeling this burn in the northern latitudes? I've never felt this before. Yes. And so that tells me that uh, now it's not the you. It's not the infrared. It's not the heat that is burning us. What causes our skin to tan is are the UVA and UVB rays. So what would be increasing the UVA and UVB rays? Well, are, are we losing the ozone layer? Hmm. And we had this big scare, and it wasn't a scare. It was actually something that I, that I was personally involved in because it takes me back to the laboratory, my laboratory days, and that was replacing fluorocarbons with hydrocarbons. So we weren't killing off the ozone. But China doesn't follow that rule, even though that was adopted by the world. So it's possible that... But yep, China is still using fluorocarbons, but can you blame the biting sun on China? <laughs> I don't know, you know? I don't know. But something, you know, that's just one thing. So what else do we see? Well, here's something that's clearly never happened before, because since they found that the Schumann resonance of Earth has always been at 7.83 hertz, and then all of a sudden it started going up. And now, just to put this in perspective our brains at times operate at 7.83 hertz megahertz or hertz actually it's not megahertz hertz and it, when our brain is operating at that speed we are basically asleep because you have to be in the state of theta or you have to be asleep in order for your brain to vibrate at that speed typically when we are awake we are in beta or alpha and our brains are vibrating anywhere between eh, typically 10 to 14 hertz per second. And that allows us to be somewhat relaxed, but still responsive to, the, to, to interact with the world around us. Uh, in an emergency situation, you're going to be in high beta and maybe even approaching gamma. Beta changes over to gamma about 35 hertz per second. And, and then gamma is like panic mode. Gamma is like you're seeing your life flash before your eyes just before you pass out. That's gamma because what happens is both hemispheres of the brain are operating together and essentially it overheats and we can't stand the, 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 the vibrational heat. And so the brain shuts down and says, good night. Well, the earth is now being tracked up into high gamma. It's cleared 100 hertz per second. That's beyond panic mode for us. We would probably fr literally fry our brain if it vibrated at that speed. And the earth never used to vibrate there. So what's driving the earth up, up to vibrate at that speed? There's something else that, that's happened that most people have no realization of. Uh, I believe it was 2000, 
2016, I'm thinking maybe 2015, maybe a little bit earlier. Uh, you can go back and, and look it up on, on the internet. But there was a German physicist that calculated that our day was no longer 24 hours, that it was actually closer to 16 hours by his calculation. So now what changes? Now, that's very possible because time is a variable. Even here on Earth, time is a variable. Uh, th this was reported several years ago. You mentioned volcanoes. We was on the south of, side of uh, Mount Vesuvius. There was a small town there. And, and Vesuvius started becoming active. And, you know, not, not blowing its stack, but just all of a sudden the volcanic activity started picking up. And the people from this small town all went to work, you know, as they normally do, except they got there 15 minutes ahead of time, ahead of, you know, ahead of everybody else, because their clocks had advanced by 15 minutes. So once they left the town to go other places, uh, the clocks never didn't match up. So how did they jump ahead 15 minutes? And that was reported on the news. Uh, so what affects time? Mass. That affects time. So wait a minute. Do we have something massive coming this way, which is a, which may be giving us additional UVA, UVB rays, which are not visible light? Is there something that could be perturbing the, the sun? Is there something that could be throwing more cosmic rays at us because all of a sudden uh, people who measure the, the cosmic rays that are hitting the earth are saying, We've entered a new uncharted territory because we've never seen this amount of cosmic rays entering the Earth. And they started going down this list of cosmic, you know, the elements that they're finding and iron, iron atoms. Why are they finding iron atoms in cosmic rays? You usually find X-rays, you know, gamma rays. That's usually why. Why are they finding iron atoms? Huh. You mean iron atoms, like as in a brown dwarf star? A star that would look like a sun with wings? A star that has a its own little orbiting planets? But that it, it literally, on a brown dwarf star, because it's mostly, it's just about all iron, it's at its last phase of life, it literally rains iron on a brown dwarf star. It puts out iron oxide. It's basically rust. So it's essentially a star that's traveling through the universe that's blown off iron oxide like a big smelting machine. And yeah, it would look like a sun with wings, a Nibiru, a Planet X, the crossing. The evidence is there. The evidence is there, and they're chemtrailing, they're geoengineering for some reason. Now, if they're chemtrailing aluminum and barium in, in the atmosphere, what does aluminum do? Think of aluminum foil. It's reflective. Yeah. So what are they reflecting? Well, I've they're always wondered. I mean, there could be so many things they're doing with the chemtrails. And, I mean, are they reflecting back some of the... Uh, the cosmic particles, or the, uh, are they trying to hide something? Uh, there was a study that I, I watched. It was actually a documentary several years ago. And uh, this documentary was, uh, they were calculating how much solar energy is actually hitting the Earth and how much is being blocked by pollution. 
And so they measured the amount of solar rays that were hitting the earth in Delhi, India, and then they went to the Seychelles Islands, which is most one of the most pristine places on the planet. And they found that uh, at least 90% less rays were being penetrated through the, uh, the pollution at, uh, at Delhi, India. It was blocking the, the solar rays from reaching the earth. So, you know, the Seychelles became, you know, they're getting 100% blast at the Seychelles and, and they're looking at the difference between what they're getting at the Seychelles Islands and back in India and they're saying, hey, we're only getting a max of 90% of what the Seychelles Islands are getting. You know, what if we sprayed reflective aluminum up in the upper atmosphere? How much sunlight would that block? It actually blocks about 30% of the sunlight, no, 285 to 30%. Which is interesting because there's also a prophecy which says a third of the sun, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars shall not give off their light. It will be they will be darkened. What? Yeah, it's in Revelation, Revelation chapter eight, verses uh, verse eleven. Uh, eleven. So, <laughs> I like uh, Revelation chapter eight. But everything there that is uh, foretold has already happened. So scratch, scratch off Revelation chapter 8 that's all fulfilled. So you would say that Planet X is definitely en route, and these changes that we're, we're experiencing right now are due to the proximity. Now, are we in somewhat of a beginning stage or an advanced stage? What do you think about that? Well... I wouldn't say definitely Planet X is in route. Something, there's an anomaly there. I'm, I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't have access to the machines that are there. You know, no, nobody's in, invited me into the uh, Lucifer Observatory to go look for <laughs> an infrared uh, star, which is exactly what, what uh, Naboo or Planet X would be if it's a brown dwarf. And, and that makes total sense when we look at what's there. But um, somebody knows, and but the people that are, are know aren't talking. Uh, I think it was 2012, maybe 2013, somewhere right around there. 28 astrophysicists, uh, uh, astrologer, uh, astronomers, world-class astronomers, 28 of them died in one year by interesting means. They got 14 in one shot. They were going up a cable car in France to the top of this mountain on an observatory, and the cable broke. Yeah, that's an awful lot of astronomers to die in one year. Yeah, so, so what, why did they wind up dying? Uh, were they going to talk? Were they writing reports? Were they, did they see something that they needed to you know, warn the world about? Makes you wonder. Well, yeah, I mean, there's something definitely happening. I mean, our Earth is changing at an unprecedented rate, and there seems to be no explanation as to what it could be. I mean, there's plenty of theories being thrown around out there, but, I well, mean, th this theory, it kind of resonates with me that there could be a, an intruder in our solar system. Yeah, and you want to know, we started feeling the effects of this 20 years ago, literally 20 years ago. Uh, something that I, you know, I learned a little bit of folklore back in my days in the hills in North Carolina, up in the Smokies. Uh, we moved down there in my mid-teens, and this uh, older woman told, you know, it was the middle of, it was like actually, yeah, about the middle of July, and it was just really hot and humid. 
and Katie did, these little bugs that we have out here in the east, they started chirping. And I mean, it's really burning hot. And she said, oh, it'll be six weeks till, till we get the first frost. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, come on. And so she told me the folklore about the, these katydids. And they're a little bit bigger than uh, than uh, grasshoppers. And they're very flat, almost leaf-looking. And they live up in the trees. And they come out typically somewhere toward the end of July. And they'll chirp. But six weeks after they start, sure enough, we got a frost. And so I kept track of them basically from 1972, 73, right up until... 1998, actually I kept track of them up uh, in, after that, but from 72 to 1998, they were right 95% of the time. Think about that. That means almost every year they got it right. Right. After 1998, they, they, they didn't get it right at all. You know, once or twice, and in the past 10 years, 15 years, not once at all. However, However, that's just, oh, that's just an insect. Yep. 1998, if you go to the U.S. Geographical Society, you will find a 500% increase in earthquakes over the magnitude of five. Now, wait a minute. A 500% increase in one year? Oh, well, we got better reporting. Come on. What did you do? Sticking five times the sensors in the past 365 days? No. Something happened because since then, it's always been higher, as much as 700, 800% higher than it's been continuously for the previous 100 years. It spikes up and it stays up. Hmm, Schumann resonance cranked up too, didn't it? So the earth is vibrating faster and we've got that now. How, do, how does a microwave work? Think about this for a second. How does a microwave work? How does it eat up your food? It vibrates the molecules, right? Right. And so it's actually sound friction because it's it's transmitting in the microwave band frequency. And it's that sound which is causing the molecules to move against each other, creating friction, which causes water to boil inside of a microwave oven. Now, we have more cosmic rays hitting us, huh? Schumann resonance of Earth raises up. You got more vibration gets what happens with more vibration you have more friction you have more cosmic rays hitting the earth it's not they're not just hitting the surface some of them are going right through the earth some of them are cooking the earth uh we see desertification and that goes beyond just what they're doing cutting down the forest we, we see the desert spreading uh, across the surface of the globe look at the wildfires that are going on now and the crazy thing is some of those are man-made by space weapons right yeah, uh, it, uh, the wildfires are actually global right now. So, so let me ask you a question. Who's attacked? Yeah, Greece, same thing. Why are the houses burning down, but all the trees are left behind? Exactly. Yes, it's that's a hell of a far wildfire. That's so wild, I can't even believe it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, think about it. How, houses are, are burned down. Go, go, go! Look it up. Go look at the pictures that that they let you see on Google Google Images. And you'll see all, a whole community, all the houses burned down, nice green trees standing right alongside them, lawn still green, cars, engines melted, right? all the aluminum's running down the sidewalk or the street. Yep, uh-huh, but it looks like those trees are looking pretty good. 
Yeah, and uh, how come we've never seen this kind of destruction from forest fire ever in our history before, except now? Well, let's see. Uh, Trump wants a uh, space force, doesn't he? Yes, he does. What's he want a space force for? Now, are we just acknowledging the the advanced weaponry that we already have? And so we can go into mass production with it. You know, I love that little triangular craft. I was watching some uh, a couple of speakers on MUFON and some of the, the videos that they've put out here lately. And um, they're showing pictures of, of this craft. You say, oh, well, it's photoshopped. Okay, but people see these things and they're calling them UFOs, think they're controlled by aliens and they're ours. Um, and here it's... We both see it. The triangular craft has got the center light, the center ball. Well, the center ball is both top and bottom. And they actually showed the video of the center ball all of a sudden lighting up and engulfing the whole triangular UFO, this alien spaceship. And the thing just, oh, bink, disappears, vanishes right before your eyes. Where'd it go? Okay, where's the magician? <laughs> you know, it's like, what happened? Yeah. Wait, warping space and time. It creates its own gravitational field, and so now it's no longer affected by the gravitational field of Earth and can move pretty much as fast as it can travel. I mean, you know, is that gravitational field will drive it. And we don't know the technology really well, but we know that the Germans started to invent it back at the beginning of World War II. Well, that's what I was going to say. We, we've had our space force, uh, secret space force, for a while now. Yeah. And the, the secret space force came from where? Nazi Germany, Operation Paperclip. Right. We know this. You know, where did they start seeing UFOs after World War II? Uh, let's see, the United States and Argentina? Oh, wait a minute. Didn't uh, that Colonel Von, whatever his name is, uh, go disappear with one of Germany's long range albatross bombers? Uh, and where did all those top scientists go to as well? Huh. The United States got what got was left over and what they could beat Russia to. But now, wait a minute. Who were who worse enemies of the Nazis than really America? Wasn't it Russia? Right. You know, yeah. Hitler hated, hated communists. He hated this. He hated the socialists. Well, not so much socialists, but the the, the, the communists. No, well, really, they were socialists that were running the Soviet Union. He, he, although he had he had a treaty that he signed with with Stalin, he knew full well. They both knew full well that Hitler was going to break that treaty. So Hitler just broke it before Stalin thought, you know, thought he was going to. He figured he'd have more time to build up his army before Hitler would invade. So the you know. But at the same time, you've got what else happens in the beginning when they still when they start to develop this UFO technology. Um, there's two German submarines that go on a uh, expedition, and where do they go? South of uh, Antarctica, and they establish a little community down there, New Schwabenland. And you don't really hear much about them anymore, except that they found some underwater passage, allegedly, that goes into, you know, a place that was supposed to be kind of warm and very inhabitable. Okay, interesting. Okay, so that's pretty much the end of that. We don't really know what goes on in, in Antarctica. 
and, and we say, well, it's been under our, the ice for millions of years, you know, and who knows what's there. It's the, the ice is two miles thick. And then all of a sudden this information about this map comes up, the Perry Reese map, the map that was made back in what was the 50, mid 1500s. And it shows the outline of Antarctica. It shows South America and shows Africa with detailed interior uh, images, which would indicate that people have been there before. But it shows uh, Antarctica's coastline free of ice, without the ice. Oh, who figured that out? Because it took the Navy and uh, aerial sonar equipment to map the shape of Antarctica, and they said, wait, this is so close, it's like only off by a few degrees. So where did this anomaly come from? You see, we just keep on asking more questions, don't we? Well, yeah. And, you know, getting back to Trump's Space Force, I wanted to ask you, what do you think this is really about? Do you think it, it's just a cover so we can pour more money into the secret space program, or do you think it's something more? We love Ascent Nutrition. Ascent Nutrition was founded by my good friend Lance Shuttler, and it's making a huge difference in this community. They have a new product that is sweeping the nation, pine pollen. Last year, several prominent scientists started speaking out about the power of pine trees and the benefits they can offer us. Ascent Nutrition offers raw, wild-crafted pine pollen. Pine pollen contains 200 nutrients in it, making it a true superfood. It's nature's highest source of phytohormones, which support hormone and libido health for men and women. Pine pollen also supports brain health, detoxification, as well as many facets of cardiovascular health. Their pine pollen is selling fast. It's literally flying off the shelves. Ascent Nutrition is on a mission of offering deeply transformative and helpful nutrients to as many people as possible to help bring about a great collective shift in human consciousness and human health. To order your pine pollen supply and check out everything Ascent Nutrition has to offer, use the link in the description or visit GoAscentNutrition.com and use coupon code FKN to get 10% off your entire purchase. Well, recently somebody that there's been somebody who just might know uh, or, or have a better answer for this. Uh, and, and what Trump is doing is two different things, and we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. But um, recently, and, and let me predicate this. I'm going to predicate this. I do remote viewing. I, I, I've seen I've seen future events from the age of nine. It was learning how to control it and how to actually use it in order to, to, to see what was there. Uh, and so that's what I've done. And people want to know what was under the ice in Antarctica. And so I went and looked and, and it was like, it's really simple. You know, look around at, at places like Africa, South America, the, the Far East, play, we see pyramids, we see my, these megalithic uh, buildings that, that have been put up thousands of years ago, some of them overtaken by the jungle, some of them on mountaintops with stones that are cut out with no human explanation on how they got there and how, or how they had the technology to do that. 
uh, every engineer that was tasked with the uh, with the job of solve the mystery of the of how they built the pyramid is still scratching their head, and, and they come up with a cockamamie story on on well, it, it had to be done with uh, copper tools and stones. Uh, no, come on, even the script. You know, you go back to the the Bible and forget about it being a religious book. The scriptures, the first five books of, of what is recorded within this, uh, what is called the Hebrew scriptures, or in this case, uh, this part of the, the Bible, which makes up the Hebrew scriptures. The first five books are were, were written 3,500 years ago. Now, oh yeah, we found the, the Sumerian text, and it gives us all this information about the Sumerians and the Anunnaki, and that's a thousand years older than the Bible. Yep, but we've had the Bible in existence for the past 3,500 years nonstop. When did we get the Anunnaki text? Uh, Zachariah Stitchin. Oh, yeah, you mean the 33rd degree Freemason who had a connection to NASA? Never a straight answer? You can keep on believing that story. There is a narrative there, okay? There is a narrative there, but it's not 100% true narrative because all of a sudden the Anunnaki of all, all the Sumerian texts are, that's all the truth. The Bible's no good anymore. Well, you know, he's gotten involved with religion. Here's a news flash. The church doesn't teach what's written inside the scriptures. They used to burn people at the stake up until the mid-1500s. Oh, the Reformation started in 1517, 500 years ago. My family helped start it. You're welcome. Now, the reason why the Reformation started, just a little side note, is because the church was extorting the, the population. They were stealing their money. You want to get to heaven? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Hey, you know, you, you, I, I'm sorry... Widow Johnson, but your husband's stuck in purgatory. He wasn't good enough to make it to heaven. We don't want him slipping to hell. You're going to have to sell the farm. You don't want him to go to hell, do you? You know, you're going to have to sell the farm in order to come up with the money so we can get him to heaven. That's what they were doing. Yeah. What are the bankers doing today? Oh, you can't meet our interest rates? Yeah, we, took, we, we destroyed the, the, the economy. We got your politicians to destroy it for us. And, and so now we're just going to snatch up your houses for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, they did the same thing today. They learned it from the church. They learned it from the church. And so that's where we're facing this same extortion going on in all of our lives today. Oh, you want to send your kids to college? No problem. We'll saddle them with a loan. You don't have to pay for it. They'll be paying for it for the rest of their lives. Because you know that they're going to go out and, and after they get their degree, they're not going to find a job. And they're going to have to live home with you. And then you're going to wind up getting married. Okay, then they'll have to flip burgers at McDonald's until they finally find the job that they want so they can prove that they're a man or worthy. And, and, and so they, you know, then they got the bill. They're going to, get, they're going to buy a house. Going to have more bills. You're going to have kids. They're going to have more bills. The kids are going to want to go to college. And it starts all over again. One big slave unit. Oh, I ain't a slave. Yeah, well, what'd you call that boss that you work for? The slave driver? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> oh, our education system is a perfect beginning to our slavery. Yeah, you dumb the people down to so they, they don't have the IQ to figure out that they're slaves. I listened to George Carlin go off on just a couple of nights ago. Interesting that you brought that up. I have to believe that they whacked Carlin for what he was saying. He was saying very, and I can't say word for word because, you know, I'm assuming this is a family show. <laughs> but it was George Carlin, so he used your imagination. But he, was, right. he got right across the point that you're owned. You're all owned. 
the banks own everything. They dumbed down. He said exactly basically what I just responded to. He, he said they dumbed down the kids. You're never going to fix the, pop, the, the education system. Yes, you can fix it. I can fix the education system. I can fix it t tomorrow, and in 10 years, it will be a totally different education system, and these children will come out having abilities that their parents had no clue that even existed. Because I could teach them what I was taught, and that would only expand their horizons. I'll teach them how to create their own futures because their minds are open to learning new things. And if you can teach an open mind new things as opposed to just feeding them junk, then you can actually give them their abilities back, give us our God-given abilities back. And you see, that's where it all, it all co comes down to. You know, so, so we are in a system which is owned. You know, if you have debt, you're owned. You got debt on your house, you got debt on your car, you got debt on your college education. You, you, you got debt because you're renting the furniture or, or, or you bought the furniture on time to, to put in your apartment or to put in the, you know, the house. It's a debt-ridden world, you know? And everybody wants it now. So, hey, you qualified for another $1,000 or another $5,000 on your credit card. Have some more debt. And so, yeah, we've laden ourselves and put ourselves in a trap. And, and so we become tied in and reliant to the system. Now, do you see a way out of this other than just an extinction level event like a reset or a pole shift, can we get ourselves out or is there some kind of uh, maybe underground war against the cabal that could, you know, bring us out of this? Well, we need to be prepared because we're fighting forces that are way above our heads. You know, I'm going to go back to Germany. Uh, something actually came out of World War One. It actually started before World War One. You can look, you, listeners can look this information up. The Vril Society. Yep, I'm familiar. Yes. And the Vril Society was all about contacting extraterrestrials, and how they did that. It was through child sacrifice. And after World War One, there was a lot of orphans, so nobody missed the children. And that was brought into uh, the the Nazi occult religions. And they carried on that tr that tradition in order to, to uh, summon or work with uh, these demonic forces. I'll call them demonic. They're not really. It's they're more archonic. That uh, they're they're a lot smarter and have a lot more self control than, than the demons. But essentially, uh, aliens, extraterrestrials, which were sharing their knowledge for what is called louche. Now we may have heard of it of. Um, was it adrenochrome? Yes. Where the adrenaline, the adrenal glands start pumping more adrenaline into the blood when we're experiencing, you know, really horrific events, and they start the bloodletting of young children as soon as they build up the adrenal chrome, and then these sick sons of the devil start drinking this blood. Well, throughout this process, what happens and how they they capture what they do is that there's so much pain that they, they cause disconnect between the soul and the physical body. So the body's not dead, but they're disconnected. The soul is disconnected, but still attached. It's like they're mostly dead, but not dead yet, so they can't leave. And it's in that state that these alien critters uh, feed on the souls of our most youngest innocent victims. 
and it's the most it's sold as the most powerful drug in the universe. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. When I first started reporting this, this was back in 2010, I believe it was, and it took 24 hours for me to get a, a death threat. I was just simply told, if you continue down this path, they will come, they will find you, they will kill you. Now it's public knowledge. Our, uh, the, the leaders of this country have been doing it. The leaders of the world do it. We know that the world is run by about 8,000 Satanists. Or are they really Anunnaki worshippers? Yes, that's a very interesting question there. Are yeah. they really worshipping these extraterrestrials, which we used to call gods? Aha, so where does it start? Where does it start? Let's trace it. And, and folks, if you haven't read Letters to Earth, The Future is Yours, I suggest you go out and buy it because where we came from, how we got here, how things are so messed up, and where things are going to is all explained there. I, did, I wrote it before Trump became president, but, I, but I, I'll tell you this. When Trump first announced his candidacy in 2015, I said based on biblical prophecy he would become the next president. I also said that Brexit would leave the, the European Union, that the Brexit would pass. And I also said that Trump would be doing exactly what he is doing now, draining the swamp, exposing all of this stuff that has been there, and when I say stuff, uh, there's the connection. And we're going to draw the connection in just a minute. That connection is, goes from Ronald Reagan to George Sr. to, to uh, Bill Clinton to George Jr. and to the Obama nation. Uh, they were all under the control of the Vatican. The, the, the presidents, uh, Reagan, Bush, Bush, and Clinton, were Knights of Malta. And still are Knights of Malta. Obama had a letter of, of, of uh, endorsement from the Knights of Malta. I actually read the letter, not in person, but the, the, the proud letter that, that he was more than happy to get from the Knights of Malta. The Knights of Malta are subject only to the Pope. They are above the law of the land, and hence you can't prosecute them. Or can you? You see, so you have to find them for high, high crimes and treason in order to really prosecute them. And then you got to get that before the, all the people on the, in the country so they can get behind you and you don't have rioting in the streets. But you see, at the same time, you're dealing with the biggest control factor of this, and that's the Vatican. All roads still lead to Rome. Uh, you look at the executive order that Trump issued, and, and we're kind of getting off track, but we're not. You look at the executive order that Trump issued on December 21st, 2017, right on the winter solstice. That's when they start the winter child sacrificing. Uh, and that executive order goes directly after those people who violate human rights, which includes uh, human trafficking, child abuse, whether physical or sexual. That's all classified as violation of human rights. And it also goes after conspiracy, and conspiracy is a pretty big damn paintbrush. Conspiracy against the government. So in other words, if you use the government for your personal gain, you are now guilty under the articles of that executive order. Yeah, I wonder how a lot of these politicians who are making only, only a couple hundred thousand dollars a year became millionaires. Hmm, wonder how that happened. I wonder if they used their political position for personal gain. Because that's now a treasonous act. Interesting. Yes. Maybe we will see the swamp train. But something even more interesting here. 
You see, two days after Trump was elected president, not became, not was uh, inaugurated, but two days after he was elected president, the Jewish Sanhedrin in Israel reached out, and that's the Jewish religious high court, the same people that sent Jesus to die, <laughs> those people. Uh, they tapped both Trump and Putin. Now think of this. You got a Zionist, a Jewish Zionist element that go that tump that uh, taps Trump and Vladimir Putin to be who they refer to as the Greater Cyrus, to play the role of Cyrus the Great. What did Cyrus the Great do? Hmm. He was a Persian king. He was in um, league with uh, the the king of the Medes, the King Darius. And together they went up against Babylon, who was the third world power at the time. And barely without firing a shot, they captured the, the city of Babylon and they took over and became the fourth world power. They also ended 70 years of captivity of the Jews by Babylon. Interesting, 70 years. How many years is it this year that Israel became a state? 70 years? Huh. You know, what's called the Temple Mount isn't really where the temple stood. Archaeologists, and you got to know that the Vatican knew this. You see, what they, what they figured out is that what is called the Temple Mount, where the Dome of the Rock stands, that was actually where the Roman fort stood that, ho that housed the, the Roman garrison that was occupying Judea at the time. Where the temple was, was off down the hill away from the garrison, closer to the pool that's there, because it was a pool of cleansing. I forget the name. Uh, I always want to say the, the pool of Shalom, but it's not. It starts with an S. It's a similar sounding name. But anyway, there was the cleansing pool there. That water is constantly running. And for them to go from the cleansing pool all the way up to what is called the Temple Mount, uh, too far. They'd be dirty by the time they got there, so the temple obviously had to be closer. You know who owns that land? The Vatican. The Vatican owns approximately 70% of the city of Jerusalem, including 100% of the real estate around the Temple Mount. Now, so where Solomon's temple needs to be rebuilt is not up where the Dome of the, the, mosque, uh, the mosque is, the Dome of the Rock. It's over across the other side of the valley. That's where it needs to be built. And the Vatican owns the land. Now let's take a look at the Vatican. Vatican, uh, boy, we, let's see, the Vatican has paid out almost $4 billion in hush money from people that they've abused over the years that took them to task. $4 billion, can you imagine that? You know, 36 priests resigned in Chile because the child trafficking has gotten so bad that they couldn't be a part of it anymore. Uh, there's been a trial in Australia that's been going on here. And finally, that bishop uh, resigned his post because in one, and this is a closed trial, it's not open to the public because it's so seethingly bad, they can't dare to air it to the public. There'll probably be an uprising. And, and there's 1,200 victims from one small little town that this bishop was covering up. Yeah. But you know what was really, what I found really horrific? I believe it was uh, 2010, 2011, 
right around there. Um, there was an article that was written out of Spain. This was in a Spanish newspaper. And that for over 50 years, the Catholic Church, working with doctors and nurses in, the, in this one hospital, trafficked over 300,000 newborn infants. Sorry, madam, your child died. We disposed of the body. Wow. Yeah, wow. Over 300,000 infants were stolen from their mothers right after birth. Yeah, and there's no way that they could possibly have any checks on this or, you know, that people would find out about it. The baby died. We disposed of the body in the, in the hospital incinerator. So sorry. You know, whatever, whatever. You know, I, I, I don't even know what to tell you about that. And then you find now Mother Teresa's little uh, convent, her, the, the, the uh, charitable building that she's got over there. I forget exactly what, but they're under child trafficking investigations and child abuse. So, yep, dear old Mother Teresa herself was part of the program, was part of a problem. But think about it. Ah, oh, poor children. Ah, we'll adopt you. We'll send you to a better home someplace. But here's a really sick thing. Archaeologists working in the Middle East uncovered Canaanite cities and, and where they actually held sacrifices to Molech. And they were finding tens of thousands of children's bones that were badly burned in, in the fires of Molech. And they said that 80% of the children that were offered up as sacrifice were from infant to three years old. 80% of the children, and there were tens of thousands of them. The archaeologists complained that how could a civilization be let, uh, left alive? Who would put up with such evil? Yeah, you know, he has a problem. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, Yahweh or Jehovah, well, he's a bloodthirsty God. He had all these people killed. The Israelites came in and they killed all these people and, and all these tribes, except that they didn't complete the, the job. They left some of the child-sacrificing bums alive. And then they were induced to do the same thing themselves. And even right within the scriptures, Yahweh himself said, I had never commanded you to pass your children through the fires of Molech. It is an abhorrent thing. Yeah. And yet that's what's going on today. You see these same things today. So who's Molech? Molech actually means evil God. Evil God. And the Molech started long before Baal worshipping in the Middle East. It can actually be tracked back to most likely Tammuz worship. But it was started... Really, the first place that we have any record of it is with the god, the Egyptian god Set, who is believed to be a bisexual god that uh, required live child sacrifice, but never to the extent that Baal did, the Baal worship that went on within Canaan. And now we have the same thing going on to today, in our very day. Yeah, you know, 8 million children vanish off this planet every year. 8 million children a year. Now you hear rumors that that the Pope and the Vatican may be being taken down sometime in the near future. Do you believe that there's any truth to that? That they may be outed? 
Oh, without a doubt, that's what's going on right now in Washington. You see, that's why they don't want Putin and Trump to get together. That's why all the Russian collusion garbage. It, it, who do they find colluded with the Russians? Oh, well, we all now know. Well, let's see, Uranium One, uh, the FISA memo, uh, this dossier that, that, that was all a scam to begin with. And, and, you know, the Republicans are part of it, too. It's not you can't just blame it on the Democrats. But the public, the, so it, it's a biparty system. Now, this actually goes back. And, and here's the point. You know, we saw this. People just didn't recognize it. I saw it clearly. It's what made me move off the grid up to up to and start my off grid project. And this happened. It, it, these are the things that I predicted. Uh, it was actually back in 2010. I got irritated with the new age person because everybody's going, oh, it's going to be 10, 10, 10. It's going to be 10, 10, 10, you know, complete knowledge, whatever. <laughs> and all these people were posting all this 10, 10, 10. Oh, yeah, next year we have 11, 11, 11. And then you had this 12, 12, 12. Well, this one person posted something and I, and I kind of got irritated at the moment. And, and I just, just reached inside and I said, yeah, I got 10, 10, 10. I get 11, 11, 11. I even understand 12, 12, 12. But the dates that we have to watch out for are 3, 13, 13, and 4, 14, 14. And I hit the post button and I thought, why did I do that? What's going to happen on 3, 13, 13? Huh. Well, let me go Google 3, 13, 13. And so I go Google it and this, I can't find anything. Nothing significant, you know, some sports game that's gonna that's already scheduled out that far three years ahead of time. So I said, Well, let me check four fourteen fourteen. And my eyes popped out of my head. I was like, No. Nah. Let's see. Four fourteen fourteen was Nisan fourteen. That's the Jewish month of Nisan. The fourteenth day is Passover. It's the same day that Jesus was put to death, and there's gonna be a blood moon on it, and there's four more blood moons that are coming after that. Uh, uh, the next one is on the, the Hebrew New Year. And then the next one after that is a year later on Nisan 14 again. Uh, and then the one after that is on the, the Jewish New Year again. Uh, and then there's, five, there's four solar eclipses going on at the same time. Well, what? Yeah, yeah. Very rare event. Blood moons, all on Hebrew high holidays over the course of two years. Blood red moons. And the moon will be turned to blood and the sun will not give its light. There are six scriptures that deal with that prophecy. So here we are seeing it. And I say, well, this isn't this isn't the final sign because this is at a this is something that's that, that we're getting a preview to. So what happens on 31313? The world gets its first illegitimate pope under Catholic canal, can, yeah, canonical law. Uh, the a Jesuit cannot hold the position of pope under Catholic law. A Jesuit cannot hold the position of pope. So why is there a Jesuit pope? Why did one pope retire? Very rare. And another, it was the first time in 600 years, a pope retires. And another one, a Jesuit pope this time, takes his place. Wait a minute. There's an illegal pope. Think about that. You get an illegal pope on 313.13. That is significant. 
Okay, so what happens in 414-14? Well, we already know. But now, what happens at the last of the Tetrad blood moons? We find that the illegal Pope is standing in America's holy places. He's standing in the Capitol telling our lawmakers what to do. He's standing in the White House telling the Obama nation what to do. And then he's standing right where it all started, right at Independence Hall, where the founding fathers of this country separated church and state. And he's telling the American people, the patriots of America, what they need to do. And then he goes over to the United Nations for the General Assembly meeting, and he endorses the United Nations adoption of the post-2015 development agenda. And then he goes off, and we have the last blood moon. The General Assembly is closed on the blood moon. And the Pope declares a jubilee year of extraordinary mercy. And they start trafficking people from the Middle East and Africa into Europe. Well, it didn't just start. They just picked it up because now it's a year of, of extraordinary mercy, you see. And so we have to take these people in. You know that the United States paid the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church a billion dollars in 2016 to resettle these <clears throat> refugees in our country, put them on our welfare system, give them a place to live, food to eat, and an income that's almost twice as much as most people on Social Security who paid into the system. Yeah, we paid the religious organization to, to human traffic these people and resettle them. And why do they take people from Somalia right on the equator and stick them in Frostbite Falls, Minnesota? <laughs> you know, that makes no sense. Why do you take people that live in a hot, dry, humid climate where it reaches 120 degrees during the summer and move them to a place where they're going to be butthole deep in snow in the winter, something they've never experienced in their whole lives? Wouldn't it make more sense like to move them to Texas or New Mexico or Arizona or Nevada or Southern Colorado? You know, a little bit more like home. Right. But that those areas didn't work? Who are the geniuses that thought up this plan? Sure, let's make these people really pissed off. Well, let's freeze their butts every night in the wintertime or every day in the wintertime and really cause discontent. That's a cruel joke. You know, that's just as cruel as the joke is when the Zionists met in, in 1897. They actually wanted to meet in uh, Munich, Germany, and the whole it was this was the first Congress of Zion. They actually met in Bern, in Basel, Switzerland. Sorry, uh, Basel, Switzerland. But they wanted to meet in Munich, Germany, and when the local Jewish uh, uh, neighborhood there, the, the, the local folks all found out that their one of their plans at this Congress of Zion was to repatriate Jews back to the Middle East. They went up in arms and they literally drove them out of Munich. They wouldn't let them hold the, the, their Congress there, so they held it in Basel, Switzerland. Yeah, the people who lived in Bavaria, in Munich, Germany, uh, since they were repatriated to Europe by General Titus in 70 CE. Wait, 70? 
Is that another number? 70? Yeah, Titus conquered Rome, conquered Jerusalem in 70. 70 CE. They murdered 2 million people and took 93,000 captive back to Rome, which eventually over the next 2,000 years were repatriated back into Europe. And so now these people live in Bavaria their whole lives, and it's all of a sudden, hey, we're going to relocate you guys to the Middle East, back to our homeland, Israel. Uh, wait a minute, you're going to take me out of the mountains of southern Germany here, and you're going to move me to the desert? Are you out of your mind? I got my business here, my family here. We've lived here for over a thousand years. You know, you're going to relocate us? You're crazy. Hmm. Sounds like we need a Holocaust. Do you know what the word Holocaust actually means? Whole burnt offering. It's something that you did to appease the gods. So let's see. You know what? You know how you get the word Nazi? It's German. It's it was made up of the uh, National Workers Association (NA), NA, which would have been National Arbeit A R B I T E. I believe it is, which means work in Germany. And oh, the first two letters of the word. Uh, I'm sorry, we get Zion. N A Z I, German Workers and the Zionist Party. Yeah, the Zionists were controlling the Nazis. It's always controlled by the bankers, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah. controlled by the bankers. And the amount of control now, it seems they're using technology as a form of control. I mean, our, our kids, you look at uh, the average kid nowadays, they can't even hold a conversation with you. They are inside, basically, their cell phone. And that's, that's almost all of our younger society right now. Uh, it seems like they're using it as a weapon. You're 100% correct. I believe it was uh, 2002. I believe it was 2002. A patent was issued to a company, and I don't recall the name of the company who applied for the patent. You can look this up on, on go Google it. It's there. But a patent was issued to a company to control human physiology using computer monitors so in other words they could send a signal out through the computer monitor to control your physiology so let's say if you're a worker stuck at a computer terminal all day long uh, they could actually send out little messages right across the screen that you would never be aware of that might make you feel happier so you like your job you know buy popcorn drink coca-cola a little subliminal message comes into your into your brain and you don't you never see it you never realize it but it's controlling your physiology so now what do we do we shoot our kids up with what 40 vaccines up to 40 vaccines which are contaminated with mercury and who knows what else so we're putting mercury into the into their body which which is going to short circuit their brain to begin with now you got this heavy element floating around clogging stuff up oh I got a great idea. Let's give them something handheld that's very that's transmitting very close to microwave that they're going to hold up to their head and activate all this mercury. And then we can send this signal because this is almost 20-year-old technology that, that I was talking about. We can send the signal and keep them hypnotized right to their cell phones and they'll never have a clue what's going on in the rest of the world. They'll believe whatever we tell them, even if we tell them the earth is flat. 
Yes, the newest Saya. Yeah. The Earth couldn't physically be flat. It started as a molten mass that became very hot, melting rock, and seeing as it was a liquid because of a very simple thing that works at the atomic level called electromagnetism. It liked itself very much, and so in the, in the absence of uh, gravity and in the, the mass of space around it where it had no other influence, it became a sphere, of a molten sphere, which then uh, cooled down over millennia and formed a crust that was then started to be surrounded by a baking atmosphere. And eventually it put out the, the right ingredients and we sucked up enough water because after all, let's face it, 70% of this, the surface of this planet is water. So we know that as the Earth's mass grew, it sucked up a lot of comet material, which are mostly water. And then one day it rained and Earth became a water planet. And as we, and then Genesis starts, and that was chapter one, chapter, uh, and then verse one and verse two starts, and God's active force moved to and fro over the watery deep. You know what happens when you pour water on, on lava, hot lava? It creates simple RNA, DNA, protein, uh, simple RNA proteins. So all it needs is a little active force to move to and fro over the watery deep to assemble those proteins into a simple D DNA single cell cyanobacteria, which could be an extremophile. And, three, and about three billion years later, we send in the uh, genetic engineers to take over and start to terraform the earth. And that's exactly what happens. And we have the fossil record of it. We also, and that fossil record takes us back to the Cambrian period. And we know it's genetic engineering because that's the only explanation. And we have a record of genetic engineering in two places. We have a record of genetic engineering, very plain, very clear, and it was in the creation of the first humans, the first Adamites. We also have the, the Anunnaki record of, of genetic engineering. The Anunnaki record of genetic engineering says, we made you from lower life forms. Hmm, really? Okay, you mean like our ancestors swung in trees? Yeah, that's the idea. Oh, okay. So then why does the Bible say, let us make man in our image. Oh, it must be the planet of the apes. I got it. I got it. No, let us make man in our image. Now, who said that? God said, let us make man in our image. And you go to Genesis chapter 2, and it says, so Yahweh or Jehovah they, or the Lord God uh, started, created Adam out of the elements of the earth, out of the dust of the ground. And into it, he blew the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Hmm. So is it the physical form, or is it the, the soul form that we are godlike? Now, Michelangelo might put it as the physical form on the Sistine Chapel, but it's actually at the soul level. You see, that's where our consciousness is, at the soul level. Our consciousness is part of our life force. And I just read a report by two scientists who actually found out where the soul, actually it's where the consciousness or the soul resides. It resides within our brain cells in tubules that at death collapse. And they believe that all the data from our consciousness, in other words, all of our memory, 
is stored within this consciousness and it's stored within these little tubules because the people that they've revived and brought have been able to bring back, all of a sudden the tubules spring fill back up again. So that data, that conscious data has reanimated the body with the life force. And I can pretty much believe their findings because I have my own near that that's experience where one second I was in my body and I knew I was in trouble. And it's interesting, the next second I was outside my body. Now I say I was outside my body because that's what my consciousness was. And I was watching them wheel my body away. And there was this last little wisp of what appeared to be smoke coming out of my chest or the chest of my body. And I was, it felt like I was physically being pulled away from my body. And when my attention turned to where I was going, interestingly enough, I could see that I was connected to the great white light, physically connected. The stream of, of smoky material went right to the great white light and it was just drawing me in. And I got a little bit more than halfway there and I was in amazement watching this whole process. But I, you know, I'm consciously seeing this. Uh, although everything was in black and white, I had no more color spectrum. Everything was in black, shades of gray, black and white, really, like an old black and white movie or TV. Um, and then finally that force stopped, and it put me back into my body. Now, my body was in a totally different... I, I, my body was in the recovery room when I came to. <laughs> but it wasn't there when we started out. Okay. Um so that was my experience. So my consciousness was literally outside my, what I perceived as a dead body because it was adios so long goodbye time. And then I was back inside reanimating that body. And that's exactly what these scientists find in the tubules of the brain, of our brain cells. And when you're out of here uh, permanently, those tubules stay collapsed and that data is not lost but they concluded that it goes somewhere into the cosmos because you can't lose data. It's part of energy. You can't destroy energy. So that data goes into the cosmos. Interesting. So there is kind of life after death. Yes, and we have all these amazing things that we can do with our consciousness, and it's being intentionally suppressed every day. And, you know, with all these things that are, that are being suppressed with our consciousness, where do you see us as humans going within the next few years if we're not eliminated by uh, a brown dwarf incoming? Where do you, do you see us evolving? Yes, absolutely. We're evolving now. At least some of us are. There's yeah. an awakening that's going on. I can tell you right now, your audience is not asleep. It's just that they're not fully cognizant of what's going on around them. And maybe some of these words will help them, you know, gather their, their knowledge and be able to assemble the puzzle pieces. I didn't do this, you know, to go write a book so for, for people to read. This was a lifelong quest that I went on. And it started back when I was nine years old, when I was able to see a future event and then live through it. You know, think of a nine-year-old child and, and a paradox happened in my life because I already had, at this juncture, I already had four years, I'm sorry, five years, biblical knowledge. My, my, my education in the scripture started before I was five years old, and here I am nine. So, okay, let's just say, four, let's call it four and a half years. And I knew the story of, of 
Samuel the prophet and how he was given to the temple at the age of five and how he started prophesying at the age of eight. And I'm thinking this, and I'm like, but I'm just a kid, you know, come on. And, and when it actually happened, and, and I was living through the event that I, that I had, you know, watched my dream come true here, although it wasn't any fantastic thing. When I lived through that event, it shook me up so badly, I ran home. I mean, first I was paralyzed watching what I actually just saw. I mean, just watching what I'd seen in my dream. And then I ran home and I told my mother, you know, you know, I thought that she would open up the spiritual door. But no, nope, that door got, she was washing the dishes. I came in the house and she goes, I said, oh, I had a breath. Ma, ma, I just had a dream that came true. And she barely even looked at me. She said, well, that's nice, honey. It's time for you to go to bed now. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I remember laying there thinking about all these different things as I finally fell asleep. And, and I had to find out how I was able to see a future event. And so that the spiritual door was shut. And so I went down the path of science. I figured, well, maybe at you know, the smallest atomic level, if I could understand or comprehend what's going on here, I can, you know, use that to see future events. But I, I recognize, wow, that's a powerful tool, right? Well, I finally found, I, I finally took a class. Somebody, well, they had to invent the class first, you know, and I had to get old enough and somebody had to, you know, turn me on to it. And it was a, a class in metaphysics. And I was taught how to use my consciousness. And it was a whole reprogramming of, of the brain on what is possible and how to do it. And so then we start using our consciousness. And what we find out is that consciousness has four different levels in which we generally operate on. We have beta, which is uh, a reactive state from uh, 13 hertz up, up above to 35, as I stated earlier. But alpha is very interesting. We love being in alpha. Alpha is from 8 to 12 hertz. Alpha is actually where we experience love. So if you experience love, whether it's, you know, your puppy dog coming up, so what a good little boy or girl you are, you know, and you have that moment of, you know, I just love you, cute. Or whether it's our child or whether it's our you know, new car, I just love this car, or, just, or that significant other who we just find so dear to us. That all works. We sense all of that in alpha. We also pray in Alpha. We start meditating in Alpha. We daydream in Alpha. If you're sitting there thinking about something right now other than what I'm saying, you're an Alpha. If you're thinking of a cheese sandwich and you're thinking, boy, I'm kind of hungry. I wish I had a cheese sandwich. Well, you're actually picturing this in your mind. You are in Alpha. It's the start of creation. You picture this sandwich in your mind and say, hmm, we got the ingredients for that. I think I'm going to go make a cheese sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get up and you turn this fantasy, this picture in your mind into reality. Oh, that's too easy. Oh, that's the way it works. It works that way for everything that we do. It's just that some things take longer planning. They take more work. You know, if you don't have the ingredients to make a cheese sandwich in your house, what do you got to do? Well, at least you got to walk down to the store and buy the ingredients. But if you don't have the money to buy the ingredients, what do you got to do? You got to work to make the money to buy the ingredients. So you see, it all depends on when you get hungry and what, you, what resources you have available. But that's all part of, I said, if you can uh, give you another great example. How many times do you have said in your life, I knew that was going to happen. 
all the time. Yeah. So how did you know? You saw a future event. Somehow you had this, you saw this future event and you had this feeling that came over you when you saw this future event. And so you knew it was going to happen. Chris, let me ask you a question. Would you go on your last vacation? I actually went to the Bahamas. Okay, great. Fantastic. How'd you like it? Oh, it was fantastic. Had a great time, me and my wife. Now, now, let me ask you a question. Did you just wake up one morning and say, honey, let's go to the Bahamas, go down to the airport, grab a ticket, and go? <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, how did you perform that process? Did you get online first? Uh, well, it was actually a trip that I won. Ah, cool. Yeah. Better yet. <laughs> honey, we won a trip to Bahamas. Talk about karma. Yeah. Did you feel like you deserved that trip? Well, yeah, because it was actually through my job at the time that I, it was a performance-based. Uh... Oh, better yet. You performed. You were rewarded. Rewarded for your efforts. You put forth an effort to win a, a, a prize that was put out by the company. You so, Now, what would you say? Didn't you say, I'm going to win that? Well, yeah. I'm going to the Bahamas. Before you did one thing toward that goal, you already saw yourself where? Yeah, I saw myself there. Yeah, you, you pictured yourself there. And then what'd you do? Well, I went and won it, and it was, it was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, but, what, but what did you have to do? You had to perform certain acts. You had to get to a certain level. No doubt if, it, if you were part of a sales organization, you had to meet quota plus. Right. You know, get above. You had to perform above and beyond what was expected of, you know, your general job description, right? And so you did that. You accomplished that task. Now, you could have said, ah, I'll never get there, you know, bombs. Yeah, nice trip. Yeah, I'd rather, you know, you can make up all the excuses not to go to the Bahamas, and you could have let somebody else go to the Bahamas, right? Right. Yeah. But you saw an opportunity. You took advantage of the opportunity. You went to the Bahamas, and you got to take Sweetie with you. <laughs> now, now you, you know what hotel you were going to, right? And, and, excuse me just a second. I, I was expecting that, but it's at the wrong time. Uh, you, you're going to the Bahamas. Did you know what hotel you are going at? Going to? Oh yeah, well, uh, a little bit beforehand, yes. Yeah, and so now you look. So you look at the brochure, the hotel, the amenities that they have. You know, the, all, all the, the the things that you can go do here, right? right. Yeah. And then you start a fast. What things you want to do? You want to go scuba diving? You want to play golf? You want to play tennis? Look at the pool, sweetie. Look at the pool. How about the beach and a drink? Right. You're thinking about it. Did you do everything you wanted to do on that trip? Uh, yes, we actually did pretty much everything we wanted to do. It was, yeah. So you had an opportunity that, and you foresaw yourself attaining that prize. You, you did what you needed to do to get to that goal. And then once you had the goal, you started to fantasize about the things that you wanted to do. You got to the Bahamas and then you did, you, you turned the fantasy into reality, didn't you? Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But now if you wouldn't have done anything, if you would have just said there and said, hey, honey, you know, there's a contest that the company's having, and, and, and I just want to let you know about this, but we're not going to go because I really don't feel like busting my butt to get there. <laughs> you know, you could have made that choice too, right? Right, yeah. So there you go. 
So you were the master of your future. You had an opportunity. You saw it. You put yourself there. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to do this. We're going to do this. And you had, and you, you shared it with your wife. She said, wow, what a great idea. And she wished you the best every night. We're getting close. Are we going yet? Did you win? Did, did she ask you those things? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course, right? Yeah. And when you came home, when you found out you called her first, they were going to the Bahamas, right? Oh, yeah. And so now you're both jumping up and down, creating more energy, and it's like, okay, let's fantasize about the stuff we're going to do. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you, so what you're saying is that you created your future, and you lived your fantasy. Right? Right. Yeah. Amazing how that works. So now that being said... For you must be God! You <laughs> must be God! <laughs> Now let's not go that far. Well, why not? Because you're a child. You're a child of the Creator. So what? Guess what? You get to create the future. That's exactly what you did. Yes, you're a child of the Creator, and you created your future. Yeah, and that's a great way to go about life. I mean, just knowing that you have the opportunity and the power to to create your own future. It's uh, if if more people could uh, you know harness that, the the whole world would be a better place. Absolutely, and you see exactly what you did, the process that you took in order to succeed and fulfill your fantasy, to turn to turn the fantasy of that trip into the reality. It's the same for a cheese sandwich. It's the same. We do this every day. And, you know, we, what happens is we come home, we're tired, we're worn out, we turn on the boob tube, we, walk, we get programmed by the TV monitor that's saying, you enjoy this. You don't need to do anything else. Just watch TV. Don't do anything else. Just watch TV. You'll be fine. Just watch TV. You know, so you never, you never sit down and you never take the time to meditate, to fantasize, to think about. You know what separates successful people from the everyday Joe successful people will daydream or meditate about two hours a day think about that they are foreseeing their future before they even go to do it if you're in sales one of the first things that they teach you is picture the sale in your mind before you go through the door you know sit in your car there or whatever and Picture, you know, you, the person that you're going to see the appointment uh, with, you know, picture them signing the contract. You know, the last thing you want to do is picture them kicking your butt out of the office. Because <laughs> what's going to happen, you know, if whatever you picture you foresaw, guess what? If you can foresee it, you can create it. Yeah, it's true. And I do the same thing with this show and with everything that I do. Um, it, it is quite true that you can you can practically make your own future. And yeah. um, Peter, we got a f just a few minutes left. I know I have a lot of my audience just very curious about what could possibly happen in the future if there is indeed a brown dwarf inbound. Um, I, I would, yeah, I wouldn't look for the brown dwarf inbound for for a little bit yet. Things are going to get so you, up on so the So you think we have time more. to uh, to prepare and 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 uh, get ourselves right before this event would occur? Chris, somebody sent me an email yesterday, literally just last night, mm -hmm. which made me go back and look at another prophecy or look at a prophecy again. 
and it's it's a prophecy that I that I used for the current timeline that we are on. And I didn't reevaluate it, but I just read further along throughout through into the prophecy, and I, and you know I found what I wanted to in the beginning, and that made sense to me because I did the calculations, and it's like, yep, yeah, okay, but I didn't add in a second factor. And it was actually the, the, a third factor, and you kind of kind of tie things together. And I'm not going to go into detail right now because we're limited in time. But it was the second factor, or, the, or this other component, that I failed to add in. And I'm looking at what's going on in Washington, and I have a pretty good idea based on other prophecies of the timeline that we're following. Because I'm, and this is going to take another show to get into and and, and talk about. But I think that we're probably going to be good. Mm, we're going to see the 2020. We may see an election in 2020. But here's the thing. We have to expose the swamp in Washington. That's going, it's like watching paint dry. And then we've got to expose the pedophilia, child trafficking, human rights violation, and conspiracy that's been going on, not just in this country, but around the world. That's going to take a little bit more time, probably right up until 2020. But the process isn't, it has started. And the church will be exposed. The church will be exposed. The church will be brought down. Guess what? They'll be able, because Babylon the Great doesn't exist anymore, link up to the Anunnaki. It's going to take another show to go, go down this path. But because the church doesn't exist anymore, guess who doesn't own the land where the Temple of Solomon needs to be rebuilt? And so the Zionists can go and do what they want to do. And they'll have three years to have their king of the earth, their antichrist ruling over us, destroying the planet bit by bit. And then we get to have a brown dwarf star, just take the whole thing down. And the return of Christ after that with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords coming in to set this whole matter straight. So we've got a little time. But here's the thing. Follow the prophecies. Don't follow the dates because we are in a time warp. Time's a variable. So use those use those dates as a guideline, not as a definite. Oh, Peter Kling said we got more time. Watch the prophecies. Watch the prophecies. Time's a variable. So with that, I'm going to say, folks, if you haven't read it yet, read Letters to Earth. The future is yours. Because I talk about what we see in the future, what we have to look forward to, and it's fantastic. Yep. We're going to have, we got to get over this speed bump, but we have, we do have a fantastic future, especially for those who are waking up. Oh yeah. We are definitely living in some fascinating times to say the least. And uh, Peter, I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. Uh, we can hear you Tuesday nights on the L&M radio network. That is correct. The final countdown every Tuesday night. Uh, I'm on there. Sometimes I got a co-host sometimes and we're hoping to bring more guests on. We're covering a lot of great subjects. There's just so much going on. And we talked a little bit about this last Tuesday. We'll be talking more about it. So, yeah, uh, follow me there. You can follow me on Facebook or send me a friend request. I still have a few more slots open. Uh, and, you know, times are changing. And it's comprehending how to see where we are. And when we look at these prophecies and where they're lining up, yeah. Yeah, times are changing. We're going to see some fantastic things. But most people, they're not waking up. But those, like the people in your audience, like I said earlier, you folks are waking up. You're seeing this. We're living in the most fantastic time in history. We're going to have an alien invasion. Get ready. <laughs> it's going to be a wild time on Earth. Well, that'll be for our next show. And Peter, thanks again. And uh, we'll see you next time. You have a great night. You too, Chris. Thank you very much. All right. Bye.